0: Okay, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, very nice to see you. Okay, so two weeks ago, um, Jess's talk started us off on this new theme for talks in this service, being rooted in love together. And, um, yeah. okay, so I noticed there's a nice symmetry and Jess pointed this out as well with the previous theme, which our previous theme was being human together, right? So being human together now being rooted in love together, so we can always count on being. We can always count on being together. <laughs> um, and among the ways that Jess began to open up this new theme, she reminded us of Ephesians 3, like, and she did again this morning. And she brought a roomie quote. And um, so here's Ephesians 3, which we've already heard it a couple of times, so I won't read it again, but. Um, Maybe I should sing that very song. I love that you knew it. I don't know. <laughs> Noah, I grew up with that same song that Jess was talking about. It goes like this: um, God's love is very. Warm. barriers within yourself that you've built against it so there's a lot of richness in both of those and i was really taken by this idea and wanted to share some thoughts about it about barriers to love Um, and then we'll have a little bit of a guided meditation on the psalm after that and what i noticed about both of these passages is both say that love is already present and already limitless They both say that we're already loved and created to love in different ways, but they also both say that in some ways we don't know it. We don't really, really know it. So in Ephesians, Paul is praying that this community in Ephesus would know God's limitless love. And the original word that's translated as know here is about experiential knowledge, not just about intellectually knowing something. Kind of like, yeah, I think that must be true. It's not that kind of knowing, it's a heart knowing, it's like a body knowing it. It's a life knowing it, you right? And I feel like to be rooted and grounded in love has that same sense about it too, right? It's not like the imagery isn't floating in love or like flying high in love or something like that. The imagery is earthy and organic, rooted and grounded. And the prayer and the invitation is for this limitless love to be the very ground we grow in, the foundation of our very life and something we know in our bones <clears throat> and live out in every aspect of ourselves and our life. Being in love and being love. And I don't know about you, but I get glimpses of, like tastes of this possibility. And I'm definitely not there, but that's where I want to keep heading. And then Rumi um, I love what the Ruby quote adds here as a reflection about why we don't deep down know yet this limitless love that's ours and that we are. Ruby um, says we've built up barriers against it. We've been wounded and, makes sense, we don't want to be again. <laughs> and the barriers are an attempt to protect ourselves from any further pain. That impulse to protect is kind and intelligent. Um, but we've all experienced the ways we protect ourselves from pain and end up keeping out what we most long for and what we most need. And Tony Robbins puts it like this, the walls that protect you, imprison you. We feel this. I feel this. So I like this Rumi quote, and I like how it's saying, uh, I see it saying anyway, the love is already here, it's already yours, so don't seek yeah. it out as if it doesn't exist instead look for what's keeping you from knowing it and living in it and it reminds me of an insight from psychotherapist john wellwood he says this all of the most intractable problems in human relationships can be traced back to what i call the mood of unlove a deep-seated suspicion most of us harbour within ourselves that we cannot be loved or that we are not truly lovable just for who we are this basic insecurity makes it hard to trust in ourselves, in other people, or in life itself. Not knowing in our blood and bones that we are truly loved or lovable undermines our capacity to give and receive love freely. The mood of unlove. Mm. Oof. <laughs> it rings true for me that for many of us, barriers to love are not always specific. You know, it's not always like, oh, I'm too fill in the blank to be loved, or I'm not a blank enough to be loved, you know, there is that for sure, um, but it can also exist as more of a mood, and when I see this in myself and in others, there's a kind of a fierceness that can rise up in me about it, like a feeling of like, no, we're not made for this, you know, this isn't who we are, why do we put up with this mood of unlove in us? I want us to be rid of those barriers. You no, know, that mood of unlove, And I think in that fierceness in me that can come, there's love and wisdom in that. And I notice it can slip over into something less helpful than loving, um, more violent. <laughs> I recognize that there's also part of me that wants to approach this being in rooted in love thing in a very kind of go for the jugular problem solving, like bash those nasty barriers over the head and get rid of them forever kind of way. But I've also noticed that as um, the deeper my roots go into the soil of love, the more this doesn't actually seem like the main way to go about it. And the more I feel that this isn't God's way of seeing or dealing with my barriers to love either. So that's the question, what might God's way be? And I'm not sure... But I wonder if God's way to see and approach barriers to love is something like what passes between uh, my daughter and my husband when I am being foolish. So, my daughter, if those of you who know that she was little, is, turns 20 next week, which is crazy. So, this situation repeats itself regularly in various different ways. Uh, when we're together. So maybe I've got a bee in my bonnet about how something has to be done and I'm lecturing the two of them about it in a kind of a persnickety, self-righteous kind of way. Or maybe we're having a disagreement and I'm just refusing to let it go. You know, I've got the bit between my teeth and I won't stop until everyone sees it my way. Or maybe I'm taking myself very seriously and I'm kind of offended that they're not recognising my absolute God-like brilliance, (laughs) perfection, you know, how enlightened and wise and compassionate I am. So it could be one of those things. But whatever it is, I'm being my messy human self, and right in the middle of it, I happen to notice this quick glance between the two of them. (laughs) It's knowing, it's affectionate, it's full of kind of restrained humour. <laughs> maybe there's a slight lift of the eyebrows or like a little roll of the eyes, maybe a little upturn at the corner of the mouth. Um, and in the past, and when I wrote this down, I thought that probably means it's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> in the past, I've been offended by that shared glance between them when I notice it. Um, wow have lost my face? Okay yes, but. Maybe I'm a little more rooted and grounded in love than I used to be because these days, sometimes when I catch that glass, I feel loved. Because I'm suddenly lifted from whatever tracks my runaway train is steaming down and I see. Like, oh look. And oh no. (laughs) They see me. And they know me exactly as i am i can't pull the wool over their eyes like i'm trying to Um, maybe they know me better than i know myself sometimes and um but look they love me Um, they see me and they love me and in that moment i have this split second choice to either keep taking myself deadly seriously and get offended and insist they haven't seen what they see about me or to receive this love that sees and accepts me as I am. And if I can receive it, then I find that I'm given two gifts. First the gift of seeing some of my barriers to love, like in action. <laughs> and second the gift of having those some of those barriers just be melted away by love itself a little bit more. And I love the thought oh yeah. I love the thought of God being something like this with me, with us. Kind of seeing and knowing, affectionate, humorous about all the barriers that we've built to love. And as I pondered that this week, a phrase came to me, one that I could imagine God saying. that felt like it could be an amazing like, love barrier melting tool. What's not to love? You no, know? what's not to love? What do you think? Can you imagine saying that to yourself when you become aware of a barrier to love inside you or just notice that mood of unlove? Maybe with a little wink or a half shrug, you know, what's not to love? I love it because it's like, well, I can answer that in lots of ways, you know, about myself or other people. (laughs) What's not to love? But that's not what it means, right? It's like, what's not to love? Um... Can you imagine God saying it about you when you feel like you're least lovable? Just affectionate and smiling. What's not to love? And can you imagine whispering it to yourself when you are seriously peed off by someone and attempted to react in a hurtful way? Um, My friend Jane Woods, in an essay about obstacles to love, said this, What if shrugging our shoulders is a divine act? What if shrugging our shoulders is a divine act? What if? Shrugging our shoulders at ourselves, at others, although in the kindest way and maybe only invisibly inside, (laughs) you know, taking a long way. (laughs) Um, In other words, noticing the barriers to love but not taking them or ourselves or our hurt feelings so darn seriously all the time. You know, and I'm speaking mostly to myself. (laughs) Because I mean, seriously, not seriously, What's not to love? We are so darned lovable. (laughs) And so darned loved. What's not to love? And maybe this is one simple way to respond to all those barriers to love, to respond to them with love. Because if we want to be more fully and deeply rooted in love, then the way to get there, the way to overcome any barriers we encounter, also has to be love, doesn't it? And the path to the destination matters. Right? And guess what? This is a nice little revelation. When I looked up that roomy quote online, um, to put it in these slides, I found out something amazing that I think supports my thesis. <laughs> okay. There is an extra part to this quote that often gets left out when it's quoted. So are you ready for it? Your task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. And embrace them. What? (laughs) So I see embrace here not as like hold on to them, you know, but as the invitation to meet those obstacles to love, those blockages to love with love which often in these cases looks like compassion, right? Um, This week, another dear friend of mine, Amy, shared a recent lovely sermon from Nadia Boltzweber with me. And I wanted to read a little section of that that I think adds something important um, to these musings. So Nadia says this. I was in a 12-step meeting the other day where one of the old guys, a guy who has been sober for like 45 years, said something so simple and so casual, but something that made me shake my head and wonder what it would be like if we all really believed it. As we were all discussing what our higher power is like and what the God of our understanding is like, he said, I don't know about you, but my God is crazy about me. I couldn't stop thinking about that. For most of my life, I've heard the saying, God loves you but it always feels more like an empty slogan, like, don't worry, be happy, or something. For someone to say, Nadia, God loves you, feels almost compulsory. Like, God loves me kind of because he has to since I'm one of his kids. But to say my God is crazy about me, I don't know, that's different. And I think that's the feeling I have about what's not to love. Um, There's this wild hope in it. That God is actually crazy about me, about you, about us. And as Nadia says, what would it be like if we all really believed it? Um, Jess and I had a conversation earlier this week, before I was given this Nadia sermon by my friend Amy, where we had said a very similar thing to Nadia. There we go. So both of us Jess and I had had a moment during the week of reading something in a psalm about being entirely loved and delighted in by God and we had both separately thought oh what if that's really true and then oh if I really and completely believed that one simple thing I think it would change my life and for both of us too there was a, there was some hope in that thought like the feeling that it was possible Um, Even that is offered to us. And I think this is true for all of us. The possibility of really believing that we are fully and limitlessly loved is offered to us. And to really believe it would change our lives. I think think it's actually possible. (laughs) But how? (laughs) It's always the question, right? How? What's our part? And uh, again, not sure, but I have some thoughts. And these are my thoughts. So um, I think there's wisdom in becoming aware of barriers to love, even if it's that nameless mood of unlove, just actually noticing it, naming it, you know? But it seems there's also an invitation to a deeper trust that none of our barriers, even that mood of unlove, are a match for love. Love meets our barriers with love, and we can too. This love can be fierce and say... Enough now. It can also be very tender, and maybe there's some affectionate shoulder shrugging. You know, what's not to love? Uh, Maybe it's also about hearing it over and over and opening our hearts to it over and over until one day that truth falls into our hearts and makes its home there forever. To do this, we need to learn not to dismiss God loves you as uh, an empty slogan. Or even dismiss it as a truth I just can't seem to fully believe, you know. I just don't really know that deep in my bones not to accept that. And instead to really listen to it. God loves you and wonder about it and dare to act as if it were true. And ask to be given strength to know it's true. Like Paul's prayer in Ephesians, right, he's asking that together with all God's people, that we'd be able to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. So that's what we're going to do um, for a few minutes now, just make some space to listen and ask to know. And we're going to do it with um, the very Psalm that Jess and I were both struck by this week, which happened also to be in the lecture readings from the upstairs service last Sunday, Psalm 139. So what I'm gonna do is just read some verses from this psalm a few times, and I'll put it up on the screen, but um, you might want to just close your eyes and not read along with it, um, because there's something about just hearing it that can kind of hit your body and your heart in a different way, but it is up there if you need to read along as well. Um, And I'd invite you just to open your whole being to the truth of this. This isn't like about trying to believe something by act of will, you know. That doesn't work very well for me, for most of us, I don't think. Um, It's about just opening ourselves to be given the gift of something coming to us. Um, And so we open, uh, all of us. So yes, your amazing mind. Um, Open also your tender heart to this. Open your wise body and just listen to this psalm with all of you. Not to figure it out, this is not about deciding what you think about it, or like having an amazing new thought or insight or something. Um, don't even have to know what you think of God. Um, this is just an opening. And um, Just listen to it as you might listen to a love letter and listen out for maybe a word or a phrase, or an image or a truth that draws you more than the rest. And then once you have that little bit that's sticking out to you, you can just let all the rest fall away and savour that one word or phrase or truth that's drawn you. And just sit with it inside you and just wonder, what does this word or truth mean to me? How does it move me or speak to me? And if I were to dare to believe that it's really true, how would it change my life?
1: Feel comfortable with it?
0: You could close your eyes. If not, you could just lower your gaze. But it is going to be up on the screen if you want to read along. Psalm 139, verses 1 to 14. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So I'll read this again invite you to just keep on letting it wash over you keep on opening to it and just notice if there's a word or a phrase that draws you in particular you have searched me Lord and you know me you know when I sit and when I rise you perceive my thoughts from afar you discern my going out and my lying down you are familiar with all my ways Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in, behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I'm going to read this for us one more time and then leave a little bit of a longer silence afterwards and in that silence you could just be kind of chewing on whatever's standing out to you opening yourself to it to what it might mean for you to what god might be saying to you through it to how god might want to be communicating what's not to love And I'm crazy about you through this to your heart you have searched me Lord and you know me you know when I sit and when I rise you perceive my thoughts from afar you discern my going out and my lying down you are familiar with all my ways You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. um, Does anyone want to share a thought or reflection or insight? I've been struggling with God for many years. So, my son encouraged me to
1: come back to church. And um, so, just this thought of you can't hide um, was a little bit overwhelming.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just overwhelming. Um, yeah, I think that's all I want to say, just because I'm hiding. And angry, I'm
1: angry. Mm Makes me angry that God can see me, but I'm struggling with God. So that's uh, huge. Yes. I don't know how they connect. Right.
0: Thanks so much. I'm sure you're not the only one that
2: feels like that. Yeah. I was thinking about like just the depth of intimacy and, and a lot of that, like, like you know, I've searched you, you know, you lay your hand on me, you know, your right hand holds me fast. And I was thinking about, you know, a lot of the time, like, you know, the, the ways that intimate love can be, um, like, kind of messed up between human beings. And I was thinking about, like, well, I, if God loves me intimately like that, you know, can i you know can i trust it what does it mean and so one of the things i think that just kind of came out of that was like you know just kind of the words i don't need anything out of you i just need you
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And not being you know god loving us because you know it's not the kind of relationship where somebody's trying to get something out of each other it's mm-hmm. just a, it's just a need for each other mm-hmm.
1: little cards just a few of the words there You now
3: Seems like there's something a little painful about tearing the wall down. Mm-hmm. That's a that can be a really hard thing and as you read it I was like, oh this is mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Doesn't mean it's bad, but yeah. it mm-hmm. kinda that hurts. hurts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: always inspired when I watch gut-wrenching videos of abandoned pets in fields and in dumps and stuff. And you have people who go and look for them and find them. And you see them completely ravaged with all kind of lice and whatever. And then they're cared for and they're baited and they're you know, nursed back to life and then you see them running around like nothing ever happened. And for me that's that's basic God's love as also, you know, through human beings. People really know how to love. Some people really do, you know. And uh, yeah, it can feel uncomfortable. Uh, I was thinking about who can separate us from the love of Christ. it's not a question
0: basically it's like what's not to love right it's not really a question (laughs) I love that picture of the abandoned pest being loved back to life it feels like yeah I feel a bit like that and it's such a lovely picture of how we need each other for this too Yeah. 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 yeah to be seen pick out each other's Fleas or whatever. <laughs> I Maybe mean, that's not a good way to take that. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. I'm sure there's more to say, but I want to respect our time. And I just want to finish with a song. Um, I've we've uh, Some of you will know the song because it was shared like years and years ago, but I still absolutely love it. And I'll just tell you the words because it's quick, it's short, and it's simple. But you might not be able to hear all the words. The words are this, you are loved... You are loved with a fierceness you can't understand. You may not believe it, you may not perceive it, but oh, it's coming for you, man. relate to that feeling of the mood of unlove. And then just say to yourself, what's not to love? It's about yourself. Let's say out loud together, what's not to love? And then let's open our eyes and look round at each other and say it to each other. What's not to love? What's not to love? What's not to love? LAUGHTER